When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash Monday Club for Phil's special discount. Your three favourite legal services, Phil, if you had to pluck three off the top of your head. Well, probably it would be one for sure. Uh, what are the other two? <laughs> Can you not think of three? Um, I'm buying a house at the minute. No, not really, but um, if I was, I'd go for conveyancing as well. Michael, do you want to complete the... We're all dying, so I'd go for Wills. Well, that was a nice cheery start, <laughs> cheery start to the show. <laughs> Will's ProBet Conveyancing, 15% off the big three legal services offered by Levi's solicitors. Um, if you use Monday Club when you contact Levi's, you can get the regular 10% off everything else as well. Legal services for you and for your business, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash Monday Club. And uh, you were making jokes about German managers moving house and moving into the area last week, Michael. And uh, lo and behold, Daniel Farker is the manager of Leeds United and you met him yesterday for the first time, Phil. First impressions then, please. First impressions are that Michael's impressions are strangely accurate and quite hard to move from your head as you're sat there listening to to Fark. And um, it was it was going to be Farker from the end of the interview process onwards. Um, I was saying the, the podcast last week that somebody else who was involved in the process had said that their understanding was that that's who Leeds were were going for, who they were they were trying to to nail down. The intention had been takeover first, head coach second. But given that the takeover doesn't have EFL approval yet, um, it's coming, but it's not not there. It hasn't been ratified by the EFL. And given the training starts this morning, uh, it'll be Farkas' first session up at Thorpe Arch. They had to get this done and, and they had to to wrap it up. It made no sense at all, even though they've, they've been able to do testing and initial kind of fitness and conditioning work yesterday, minus a head coach. It made no sense at all. To go into actual training sessions without one, um, the duo in Oslo in a week's time to play Manchester United as well for for the first friendly. So they needed to to get on with it, and I think uh, the the general reaction mimics really or, or mirrors what what I think, which is that it is a, an appointment which makes sense, um, appointment which I think is backed up by the credentials of having won promotion from the Championship twice, and not only won promotion but but won the title. You know, done it done it convincingly, and I mean they 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 were impressed with. Parker from the outset, the initial Zoom call with him, they, they liked his ideas of, of how he would play, possession football, strong press, aggressive play. They liked as well the fact that in the interview in particular, he wasn't really giving them the hard sell. He wasn't begging for the job. He was very much saying, look, this is what I'll do. This is what I am. This is what I've done previously at Norwich. If you like it, then I'll take the job. If, if you don't like it, then then go with somebody else. You know, I, I think others who came in 
were very much talking the talk, but they did feel like in in Farker's case, he'd walk the walk very much with with Norwich too. So it makes sense to me, but I thought it was quite telling that the first thing he said as as the interviews got going yesterday was that they need quick decisions now and they need some some rapid movement um, away from the head coach front. And he was talking very much about the squad because he knows himself and you can see from the timeline that there's literally a month to go before the first game. Uh, you may notice as well, um, watching or listening to this, you can see it on YouTube, you can listen to it in your podcast app that we normally do Monday and Friday, but it is very much neither of those days at the minute because we were going to record on Monday and we said, oh, there's nothing to talk about. So we bumped it to Tuesday and then you ended up getting called in to meet Daniel Farker, hence why we had to bump it another day later. Yes, yeah, it's been a, a movable feast, um, but it's nice to have something to talk about. And I think nice as well to feel like they can properly get into the process now of getting ready for next season. He, he spoke a lot, Farker, about the amount of time he has now to, to sort things out. And I think feels confident that he can get a decent team together for the start of the season, um, more confident again that he can get a, a good squad in place by the time that the transfer window closes. But he, he was quite honest in saying it, it might be bumpy to start with. It's not going to be perfect by August the 6th when Cardiff come to Ellen Road. And I think that's just realistic and and certainly accurate to say. It's going to be impossible in the space of four weeks to lead, for Leeds to do everything that they need to do, to shift out the players who need to go, to land the players who, who need to come in. This, as we said right at the start of the summer, is going to be one of those that goes right to the, the end of the of the window. But he's a confident guy. He's definitely plenty of, of self-assurance there. And I think I think that comes more than anything from the fact that he knows what the championship is and he's done it at this level before. And he did have a good squad at Norwich. No doubt they had quality players and, and talented players there. Um, but I think he feels like he can get it together in much the same way at Leeds. The question will be whether or not they can do it in, in year one. And, and he certainly didn't want to commit to that yesterday. He didn't want to say, look, we will do it first time around. We'll get out of this division next season. He was trying hard to make the point that it's a, a difficult league and, and probably every bit as difficult as it was back when he was in it with Norwich. He says he's a confident man, but I thought he was seemed actually quite, I don't know, quite reserved. Maybe it's just because we've come from the swagger of Allardyce saying he was as good as Guardiola and and Klopp, but it felt like it felt like he was um, I don't know f- fairly reserved in the way he was he was talking about himself. There was humility there, wasn't there? I yeah, thought, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, which I don't I don't think points to a lack of confidence at all. I think you could you could tell from listening to him that he knew what he wanted to say and and he he knew the sort of message that that he was trying to um, trying to give people. But no, he he doesn't strike me at all as a shout the odds type of manager. And people who've dealt with him before, particularly Michael Bailey, the athletic who, who writes about Norwich City and knows a lot about Farkas, says that's not his style. You know, he, he's not the the type who would sit there comparing himself with Allardyce or or anybody else. But he did say to Leeds during the interviews, you know, that, that he thinks of himself as a Premier League manager or a Premier League manager in waiting. He wouldn't go as far as to say that he's a, an established one because he isn't. First season that he went up with Norwich, they were relegated. Um, second season he went up with them, they were relegated and he was sacked long before the end of it. But his point is that the budget he had at Norwich was never likely to make them competitive and, and never likely to keep them up. I think given that the 49ers are taking over and and you know, the budget level at Leeds is going to change as a result of that. He thinks that the finances that would be available here if and when Leeds get promoted would give him a much better chance of of establishing himself in the Premier League and is sticking around in this job for a while. And you know, a four-year contract gives him the chance to to do that. But I think what he was trying to say to Leeds was, you know, I don't see or, or I don't accept this as a marriage of convenience in which I get you up, you bin me off and, and go for somebody else who you think is more suited to the Premier League. He thinks that he'll get Leeds promoted and then stick around for a while. And, and that was certainly part of his pitch to the club. 
Yeah, well worth a read that um, the deep dive that you and Michael Bailey did on um, on Farco. That's on the Athletic. A good read that Phil. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't title it White Noise though. White Noise. Well, we 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 went on about the horse. There is a story about a horse um, involving Farca from Germany, um, which, to be quite honest, I, I didn't know much about until we started writing uh, that piece. But I, I'll let people dip into it to find out for themselves. He looks uncomfortable on it. I've seen photos. <laughs> have you Have you ever seen a, a man comfortable on a horse besides professional horse gonna, riders? I was going to say I've ridden a horse a couple of times in my life, and it was um, it was not enjoyable. He's not exactly got a jockey's build either, has he? No, quite a big fella. <laughs> no, the um, talking about the humility and the and the managing expectations, um, it, it runs in sharp contrast, doesn't it, to what we saw twelve months ago? And this isn't a pop at Marsh. It's just um, another example of the club perhaps trying to run before it can walk. When we heard. You know, talk about you know pushing for European spots and the best academy in Europe and this and that and the other. And he was just like, "No, let's just let's just all calm down a little bit and um, and get the decisions right at this stage in the here and now." Yeah, I mean, I think if I remember rightly, the, the talk of European qualification had fizzled out and faded away by last summer after the the season before, where Leeds almost went down. There did seem to be a kind of leveling off of of vision and and expectation. But I think you're right, and and in many respects, I think you need to manage it more in the Championship than you do in the Premier League. In the Premier League, if you're in that clutch of 12 to 14 clubs who aren't going to bother the top six, then you're aiming to finish above 18th and, and you're aiming to stay up and you can still have a good season within that. But that's fundamentally what, what you're chasing. Once you get into the Championship, and particularly if you're a club like Leeds, you, you're going after promotion and it's incredibly difficult to do. It's helped by the fact that you have parachute payments. It's helped by the fact that Leeds will have one of, if not the biggest wage bill in the division, but Farker was making the point that as, as his analysis, as he's looked through it, shows that you've got less than a 50% chance of, of bouncing back. That's how, how he feels about it. So he's certainly not walking into this thinking, right, you know, game on, we'll we'll go up next season. And, and he'll know from looking at the squad and looking at how many players need to leave, the number that need to come in, that he's not even in a position yet to know exactly what his team or his squad is going to look like at the start of the season. So it would be presumptuous, I think, of him at this stage to to be talking too much about what's going to happen next season or how it might go. And he did, you know, deliberately swerve those questions. He did say, I don't, I really do not want to get into talking about promotion yet because I'm just through the door. I've got a first training session tomorrow, a lot to do still, and not a huge amount of time to work with. In the article, Phil, you talk about the conversations that were had between Farker and the club and I'll just zero in on one particular thing that was in there. It was He was clear on the need for goals in his squad, suggesting a minimum of 75 in a 46-game championship season necessary to get a side up. So it's the first time we've heard somebody talk of specific targets at this level, isn't it? And what he means by those comments are pretty clear. We need goal scorers in this, in this squad. Which certainly figures. You go back through most championship seasons and there are very few sides who aren't prolific up front, who, who get close to automatic promotion um, or, or go up through the playoffs, it is it is a fairly basic prerequisite of of what's needed in a, in a good championship team. It kind of suggests that we'll we'll see some movement when it comes to the transfer market in that area, and it suggests as well. You know, it links into what he was talking about with with his tactics um, that, that it it will be possession based. It should be aggressive. It should be fairly attacking. I mean, it has to be said that that was very much not the the message that that came back about how it went from at Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think there the, the Supporters did not seem particularly enamoured with the football. I think they felt it was was too safe, um, that that he could have done more with what was pretty much regarded as a fairly talented squad at Munchen Gladbach. 
I think he would probably argue that equally he wasn't given a huge amount of time to make a, a big go of things there. They finished 10th in, in the table. They had some good results. He was only in charge for a season. And if you go back to Norwich you would, you, and follow his timeline there, it, it did require a transitional season and then a, a little wobble at the, the start of the first year where, where they went up as champions for him to, to properly settle into the job. So it might be that he is somebody who you know does need a little bit of time to to find his feet and and to get things going properly, but I think the likelihood is that he can he can expect a decent amount of time at Leeds. He can expect a good amount of support. And again, his decision to be called manager rather than head coach um, that that was his request. I don't think in practice it makes any difference. To be quite honest, it seems to me to be the the same thing these days, particularly because Leeds at some stage will appoint a, a long term and full time um, sporting director. But also, four-year contracts suggest that he was able to dictate terms to, to some extent. And I think it tells you as well that he was absolutely who, who Leeds wanted. And because of that, you know, that puts him in a position of strength from the off. How do you think it sits with the fan base, though, if he if he has a season like that first one at Norwich, where he's very much mid-table, no sign of the playoffs? Like, I feel like there's not probably the patience for people this year for that. I feel like if he's not around the playoffs come Christmas, there's going to be a fair bit of pressure here. Yeah, I think there will be. I, I suspect that's probably true of the fan base more than 49ers enterprises who will, without doubt, want to get out of the division. But I think, as shown by the, the way in which the, the search for manager head coach went, are far more inclined to to follow processes and, and to stick to stick to a plan. I mean, all of us were kind of saying this is this is getting fairly urgent with the head coach. And actually, in the end, the club took that view themselves, you know, and realised that they couldn't just wait forever for the takeover to go through. This was going to have to be done and they needed somebody in place. But it was a deliberate thing to have, you know, Zoom calls initially to whittle down a long list, a short list to go through face-to-face interviews, as opposed to just saying, we need a head coach. This guy looks good. Let's let's go for that. You know, they they, they properly went through probably went through different steps. Um, so I think in in their mind, they'll be looking to looking to stick with this for, for as long as they can. And I think if they're being fair to Farker, they would have to say that these are not ideal circumstances to be coming into. You know, it's it's a big club, there'll be a good budget, there'll be a, a big wage bill, but it's not as if the framework is is perfectly there for him to come in and, and start straight away. There, there is plenty to sort out still. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we've seen the first of these changes happening, haven't we? We know now that Marcus Abad, the goalkeeping coach, has left. Paco Gallardo, the under-21s coach, on the way out. Some of the analyst team as well. So it looks like a bit of a, a clean sweep on the, the football department front. Yeah, I think so, which which quite often happens. Marcus Abad has been here since 2017. He came in in the summer of um, Radrazani's takeover. He'd been with Victor Otter at, at Middlesbrough, um, was an, an Otter recommendation. But clearly Otter moved on from the club in May. It's not a surprise, really, that, that those sort of changes are taking place. And the Fark has brought in three assistants with him, guys who've worked with him at Norwich, at, at Munch and Gladbach, people who he knows really well, people who are very kind of loyal to him and, and fixed parts of his, his backroom staff. So he will want it as he wants it um, at Thorpe Arch. And yeah, I think the fact that, that Abad has gone or it is on the process of going straight away tells you that, that there will be changes in the weeks to come. It's probably an impossible one to answer, but do you think if Victor is still here, this is an appointment we make or even look at? Or do you think we'd be going a bit more left field? It's a good question and hard to answer. I, I think I would say that if Victor Alter was still here, I, I find it hard to imagine that Allardyce for four games would have been something that he would have been on board with. And given that he resigned on that base, or at least he left the club on that basis, you can tell that he wasn't. I think in the Championship, it would have been far more difficult to fight against the idea that you have to cut your cloth and you have to be a little bit pragmatic. And I think the the extent to which they were going to take risks this summer like you say, with, with going for something left field or, or some, something a bit risky, was going to be dictated by new ownership and was also going to be dictated by the fact that promotion is crucial. You know, whether it comes this season, next season, it, it has to happen fairly fairly fast. And I think particularly while Leeds have the benefit of, of parachute payments. So I don't imagine that Arthur would have been massively opposed to this one. I mean, Arthur's spoken pretty highly of Stuart Webber, who's the sporting director or was um, at Norwich, is now now outgoing there. But clearly, Webber worked with Farker, two promotions from the Championship. I think Farker's credentials and, and his reputation is pretty solid in, in that respect. So it's impossible to speak to Arthur, but uh, speak for Arthur. But I think in comparison to Allardyce, this is one that he would have found far you know far easier to get on board with. With reference to his credentials, Phil, actually, it just brings us back to the point we were saying before about time and patience and that I suppose because they've done the obvious thing, they've put in a manager who's been here, seen it, done it twice now, there's a degree of comfort in that if it doesn't fall into place immediately, and as long as it's not absolutely terrible, people may be willing to give it a little bit more time because they know there's a there's a proven success behind Farker if you get the conditions right. Are you forgetting the Neil Warnock and Brian McDermott? Eras. Yeah, but let's face it, we, we know that back then you were putting hope all in those people as managers and their ability to, like, I don't know, get a rabbit out of a hat, I suppose, mm. and the conditions at the club were not right. Whereas you feel now that the conditions at the club are probably about as right as they're going to get and he's going to have the backing. As, as you've said in the article, Phil, actually, to, um, you know, to, to be able to have an aggressive wage bill is statistically at least proven to be the way out of this division. Via the top exit, I should say. Well, whatever you think of Warnick, you have to accept that in his season, the season where he was trying to get promoted, he was caught in the, the whirlwind of, of Bates trying to sell to GFH and, and everything that went on with that. And, and the, the stasis that meant that Leeds just weren't particularly operating in, in any effective way. And with McDermott, he had Leeds in the playoffs at, at around about Christmas. They bombed out of it after that. But I interviewed Ross McCormack a couple of weeks ago and, and he said in there, he said, you know, the, look at the the 
the chaos behind the scenes, look at the way in which the league form turned and, you know, put two and two together. He said, if you've got a brain, it's perfectly obvious why why it all went wrong. I think the circumstances are different now without being perfect and, and without being ideal. It does seem like a, a much steadier and, and clearer platform than than it was back then um, by by quite a distance. And I think you're right with, with Farker and his, his track record. It's not only the, the fact that he's promoted uh, Norwich twice, which is relevant. I think the fact that he did have a transitional season, first of all, and that then led on to winning the championship title the following year, says that he is you know, the kind of guy who, if it doesn't all click rapidly or, or if it doesn't click first time around, might well be worth sticking with anyway. And as I say, the 49ers, to my mind, strike me as the type who, who will show more patience to a head coach. Nah, Neil Redfern in charge by... Uh... <laughs> By well, Christmas, by October <laughs> half term, for, for old time's sake. <laughs> um, in the interviews that he's done, he's spoken about good decisions. You mentioned it a little bit earlier on, Phil. What do good decisions look like now, from both of your points of view? Where does this need to go next? Because it feels like this is the first of a series of dominoes that are likely to fall now. Yeah, good decisions. I thought the phrase "quick decisions" was really relevant as well. That they need to to get on with things. We're going to see players go. Brendan Aronson is heading off to Union Berlin on loan. That just needs to get wrapped up. Um, Diego Llorente will go to Roma on loan. Robin Koch is going. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt seems to be the destination for him. There'll be others in the background as well. I do think Mark Rocker will, will go to Betis, as has been reported quite a few times. We'll wait to see with Rasmus Christensen and Roma. They they do like him, but that doesn't seem to have moved forward yet in the way that um, your entry to, to Roma has. So on the one hand, you've got outgoing moves which need to happen um, to get players out the door, players who aren't wanted, players off the wage bill as well. At some point very soon, there's going to have to be an in- incoming flow as well of, of signings. I think what's going to be interesting is to see how many leads actually do. You know, in the end, when they get to the start of the season or the end of the transfer window, how much of the squad that was left over at the end of last season is still here, and and how much have they have they added to it? But this, I mean, this is really where Nick Hammond is going to earn his money because he has four weeks before Cardiff come. It's not that you can never get away with a bad start, but you know how it is at Leeds. It helps massively if you look like you've got it together from from the get go. I've seen links in the last 24 hours for uh, Adama Traore to Roma. Uh, so the, there appears to be some sort of major Leeds-Roma link-up link going on. don't quite know what that is. Uh, Brendan Aronson, would you have him back after 12 months if we were to make it back up into the Premier League? Well, it depends how he plays and it depends how it goes and, and it depends on how much analysis of him suggests in a year's time that he's he's going to be better suited to the Premier League or two years' time if, if that's how long it takes, but better suited to the Premier League than he was Last season, physically, it was uh, it was too much for him. Really, it, it asked too much. He he wasn't particularly able to cope, which I don't think means that, that he's a poor player, and I don't think it means that there's there's no talent there at all. But I mean, it's a good move for him. Having struggled so much in the Premier League to be heading to Union Berlin is 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 definitely the, the sort of transfer that I think he he'd have been hoping for or or looking for. And because it is on loan, it does leave the door open to the idea that if he does well and, and if he is then a, a kind of useful asset further down the line, you can you can go back to him. But it's an interesting one then and, and I don't know about you, but part of you is feeling like the, the Aronson experiment might be over. I don't know. I feel like it doesn't he just need to pad out a bit and um get a bit more experience because there's lots of players who come to the Premier League and struggle in their first season and because we were a struggling team I just wonder if maybe there's a, there is a, a road to redemption for him further on I don't know I was just so thoroughly sick of him by the end of last season I was, I was sick of them all 
But I think him in particular, because you did just see him get, every time it was get the ball, get a touch, go down, don't win a free kick. And it felt like it was, it happened at least five or six times in every game. And in the end, you were just screaming at him to stay on his feet. Yeah. As much as saying he, he struggled with the physicality of it, he didn't seem like he tried to to, to get on board with the, with it sometimes. There are, there are thinner players than him who've done well in the Premier League and who haven't gone down quite so easily. It, it felt like he was, I don't know, it felt like it was almost his way out sometimes was just to go down. Is, is that a coaching thing, though, I wonder? What do you think, Phil? Is it maybe a case that he just needs somebody who's going to tell him to stay on his feet and coaches who encourage him to to work with the physios to, to bulk up? Because it, fe- it feels to me like there's a solution to that, and that is just making better at the other things. I think physically he needs to change. Yeah, he, he does. Um, and that, that, that shouldn't be too difficult or complex a, a road to go down. But it does seem quite telling that players who don't cope in the Premier League are... are struggle at that level tend to tend to head if you if you're thinking of keeping them or if, if they're going to come back and, and thrive at that level in the future tend to drop down into the championship or, or where else to to kind of to kind of cut their teeth a little bit more he's actually moving to a Bundesliga side who are going along really nicely really progressive and um you know growing in strength very good season in the Bundesliga last year which almost makes you wonder whether actually Aronson is just suited to a, a kind of different environment away from the Premier League. It might be in time that, that he does return and, and he is good for Leeds and is able to play at that level, but I wonder. Have the club made a bit of a fatal error with this this whole loan thing? Because it feels like the idea of signing players like Cock and Aronson was that you could resell them for a, ideally a higher price, but at least for something. And now we're in the situation where we're being forced to loan them out and it's, it gives us nothing back to rebuild with. Well, I think the idea is with Cox that there might well be a loan fee from Eintracht and, you know, he has a year left to go. So it kind of makes you vulnerable to to offers and, and makes it harder for you to to stand your ground and, and demand what, what you want. I take your point with Aronson and I guess the only, the only counterpoint to that would be that if they do want him back in future and if he is going to be useful in future, then it does leave the door open to that as opposed to him moving on completely. In some circumstances as well, the, the removing wages from the wage bill will help with um, FFP or PNS as it is in, in the championship, help with profit and sustainability and staying within those rules. But it does it does kind of, it is fairly symptomatic of the fact that, that when you go down, you become really vulnerable to this sort of stuff. And you're right. I mean, there are players who you look at and think, could be worth a fee, should be worth a fee, you should have money money coming in. But in some circumstances, Leeds are not really in a position to to demand very much. I mean, Rodrigo, an absolutely prime example, down to one year left, has just had his best season at the club, you know, scored a decent number of goals in the Premier League. But in terms of wages and in terms of interest and elsewhere, very difficult to see him staying. And what do you do? You know, in a year's time, he's he's a free agent, a little like Robin Koch as well. Um, and it always depends on the offers that are on the table. There's been a bit of noise on the 49ers side, though, suggesting they might want to try and keep him if we go down, wasn't there? It was, I think it was him and Adams and Harrison and uh, was it Nonto, the other name that was doing it? Nonto as well, yeah. 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 But I think, I think they're realistic enough to know that that's going to be dictated by what else is coming in um, from, uh, from other clubs. I mean, the, the Saudi League is, is very interesting at the moment because, you know, a lot of players moving there for, for an awful lot of money and that, you know, I've... I kind of look a little bit at Rodrigo and think to myself, does he fall into that category of somebody who, who you know, might appeal to to clubs over in, in Saudi Arabia at the moment? I think in his circumstances and, and his situation, the age he's at, if he was getting a really decent offer from somewhere else, then it becomes hard to to retain him. But you're right. I mean, along with Adams and, and Harrison, Nonto as well, they are, you know, the 49ers would like if they can 
to keep a core together, you know, a core who would be, you know, all things equal, massively effective in the championship. Adams would be a huge player in that division. Harrison would be a huge player in that division. I think Rodrigo would score goals. Nonto would be a big threat. It gives you really good, you know, spine to, to build around. But it's not easy. And as I say, you know, if, if, if good offers are coming in from elsewhere, then how, how realistically do you fend them off? I guess um, with the exception of Rodrigo, given his age and contract status, the rest of them is where the value is in the transfer market, isn't it? The ones that are actually going to have resale value. Yeah, they are. I think particularly somebody like Harrison, very, very easy to find a taker for him and, and to take money through a sale. Adams as well. I mean, Adams obviously had the injury at the back end of, of last season. So the more you know, being fully fit would help when it came to, to interest from elsewhere. But he's always felt to me like the one, you know, he's felt to me like the one who if the 49ers could pick anybody that they were going to retain, build the team around, have as the centre of the squad. It feels a little bit like him. But needless to say, plenty of interest in him. Aston Villa, one of the clubs who really like him. Well, to return to a point I made earlier, it feels like this is the first domino, is Farker falling in what's likely to be a long series of dominoes. Lots going to happen, lots of churn at the club. Um, what do you think the rest of this week's going to bring? given that we are here approaching Wednesday lunchtime and um, when we get back together at the end of the week, will we see players in, players out, more coaches in, more coaches out? Well, I think the first domino to fall was the agreement between Radrazani and 49ers Enterprises. That was the first thing that had to happen. But the head coach had to come after that. It wouldn't seem likely to me that it will take long now for departures and incomings to to start. As I say, Aronson very close to Union Berlin and Llorente and Koch on the way to, but the income is, I think will be the thing on Farker's mind more than anything else. That's got to start pretty soon. So whether by Friday, I'm not sure, but you would think in the next week we'll, we'll start to see movement. Have you got any sense that there are players already lined up, ready to come in? I haven't been told that there are, as in players who are already agreed and, and ready to go, but it would certainly be good if that was the case, even in a handful of, of situations. I mean, we, we were writing last week about Nat Phillips over at Liverpool central defender there who I think would be a, a really good addition but that's going to take money to do you know that's that's going to cost that's going to need need negotiated and I think the better players you're going for the less easy it is to to sort them out in, in a short period of time but Hammond again is, is can enter him sporting director if you want to call him that but transfer consultant more than anything has had two or three weeks inside the building now so you would very much like to think that they're on with what they want to do and it will not take long to get the ball rolling well, we'll talk again on Friday when we will see if anything else has given Phil. Thanks for today. We will um, we'll speak again towards the end of the week. And uh, don't forget to utilise your Levi's Listers 15% discount on. Will's probate and convincing. I want to, can, can we just hear it in Farker's voice? Will's probate and convincing. We'll speak to you towards the end of the week. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 